You're listening to the Karen 10 Podcast, where we bring our alumni back inside Karen University in just 10 minutes. In 2013, the then Department of Social Work, now the School of Social Work, welcomed a 2002 alumna of Karen to one of their chapels where she presented research related to her PhD. I was there as she presented and I was fascinated by the content and very excited to hear the story of her work and what she was doing then academically. She's now at Penn as an assistant professor where she teaches policy analysis and economics for social welfare. So we're very pleased to welcome to the podcast Dr. Amy Castro-Baker. Amy, thanks for being here. Thank you. I wonder if you could share, you talked about this a little bit in chapel this morning, could you share a little bit about your journey in academia and your general interest in the field of social work, perhaps how that developed and that whole process? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a good question. So. Uh, you know, most people who choose social work kind of get into the profession because they're really passionate about a social problem or they, they just feel like something's off. So, you know, when I was at Cairn, I was first a uh, student at Wisconsin Wilderness Campus and had no idea what I wanted to do. So I picked, true story, looked at the list of courses and circled the ones I wanted to take as an undeclared person, mm. sophomore year, and then noticed that all those classes were in the social work major. So I said, huh, I don't know what social work is, but I might as well get a degree if I, if I like these classes. First day went in and uh, Loy Gustoso said, I want everyone to go around the room and tell us what brought you here. So people are giving these dramatic stories of serving and doing internships and places of poverty. And and I said, I, I don't know, I just picked it out of the book. <laughs> and he said, oh, it's okay, it's a safe space, hmm. you can tell us. No, no, it, that, that, I really just picked it out of the book. <laughs> so I think that that story illustrates kind of uh, that God had a, a really direct plan that, you know, that's kind of been the story of my career, is that whether I wanted to or not, uh, I was suddenly on a path of doing social work and doing research that was focused on justice. So in a nutshell, that's sort of it. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. And then academically, after, after mm-hmm. Karen, how, what direction did that take you? So after Cairn, I worked in a community-based mental health setting for a while. Uh, then while well, I was applying to Penn, and then I got my Master's of Social Work at, at UPenn, I worked with the Homeless Health Initiative, which is based out of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And what we did was we basically took doctors and nurses uh, out of the medical institution and into the shelters to provide health care. So you know that was really my first foray into the housing world. Um, and then after that, I began working you know, in community development. Um, in West Philadelphia. So that's kind of where I got my start. And so the, the, the crux of my research is really tied to practice. And so, you know, I don't sit divorced from the community. A lot of the things that I do and that I study are really tied to the personal experiences that I see in the field. Hmm. Yeah. Going back to what you said earlier, um, I know you said you just sort of circled the classes mm-hmm. and that got you in there, but had you, would you have ever envisioned that in the field of social work, uh, you would be studying the aspects that you wound up studying? No, not at all. No. Um, that was directly out of a field experience. Mm. I mean, I really saw myself as continuing to work in housing and system development and in nonprofits. Uh, I had to learn really quickly macroeconomics. Uh, so no, no, not, mm. not at all. But one of the things that happens when you study social problems is that you realize really quickly that each micro interaction that you have with somebody who's experiencing poverty or some type of a social ill is tied to a broader economic and policy context. And once those lights are on, um, you see the way Mm. that human behavior is shaped by broader forces. 
Um, and for me, I'm a big picture thinker. I tend to think on a real macro level. And so that's sort of how I ended up doing that. Mm-hmm. You've been involved at several universities in several capacities, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to hear, um, is there some sort of particular impact that you're interested in making on the university culture? Is there a particular thing that drives mm-hmm. you or goal that you have with involvement as a researcher, as someone who is uh, teaching hmm. as well? Uh, in terms of impact, you know, I'm really motivated by by research that has teeth. And this is what I say to my students. So I begin every semester the same way. You know, students choose the, the particular program that I teach in because they feel like something's broken. And I tell them that. You know, I say, you would not be sitting here in my classroom instead of sitting at Wharton if you didn't feel like something was wrong with the world. Uh, and that's how I, I introduce to them um, their assignments. And, and they say, well, what do we pick? I give them huge latitude in what they're allowed to study. And I say, pick the thing that makes you the most angry. The thing that keeps you awake at night where, you know, your, your partner is sitting there saying, get off the Internet. That thing you're arguing about on Facebook, that's the thing you need to research. Uh, so, you know, I think when it comes to my students, I'm, I'm most passionate about helping them identify what it is that motivates them. Um, and then second, impact, right? So I could make a lot of money, you know, a lot of money, <laughs> doing the type of uh, market research that I do in the corporate sector. Uh, but what's the point, right? Uh, and so I'm interested in social change. I'm interested in measurable social change. Do we have, you know, are we seeing upward mobility? I mean, it's we have a capitalist system in the United States. As much as I support systems of equality, um, the reality is we're in a market economy. There's always going to be people on the bottom. Um, and I think the thing that drives me is asking the question, okay, I get it, there's people at the bottom, but are they stuck there? Is there going to be intergenerational poverty? Can we break that cycle? Are people actually able to move up, um, and how do we do that? Great. You gave a really nice uh, affirmation of your experience mm-hmm. here at Karen this mm-hmm. morning in chapel. So I have an idea of what you might say about this, but I, I wonder, um, what would you say had the greatest impact on you during your time here as a student in terms of shaping your direction and providing that, which, which you mentioned mm-hmm. this morning, is such a valuable foundation? That's a good question. So I'd say three things. Um, you know, first, and this is something I share a lot when I'm conducting trainings with people, is that uh, programs have never changed anybody. Relationships do. The programs create a context, but it's relationships that create um, real change and meaningful change in people's lives. And so I'd say, one, the relationship that I have with faculty. Um, I think you get a, a one-on-one mentorship here that you're not going to get in a lot of other places. You know, I mean, other smaller liberal arts colleges, it's you know, mirror the same type of thing, but you really get personal investment. Um, second would be writing. Uh, for the social work majors, they write, and they write, and they write, and they write a lot. Uh, so just getting in that habit of having to critically think and um, go to the source. This actually is the other thing that I've borrowed from social work faculty here into my own classroom is, particularly in cr- Christian institutions, uh, what places often do is they choose a theologian and they have the theologian tell you about somebody else's theory. One of the things that uh, Dr. Vistoso is very good at is saying, we're not going to read what somebody else says about a theorist, we're going to read the theorist. Um, and so you're forced to interact with the original ideas and it makes you a sharper thinker um, because you're removing that kind of inner middle filter and that's something that I think you know also the Bible department here does really really well you know you're not reading 
you know, here's 10 points on thus and such. You're actually reading the text and engaging um, with primary things at its sources. core. Yeah, primary texts are, are big. Mm-hmm. My students hate me at first because they I assign whole books. Uh, <laughs> my students this semester have to read four whole books in, a different, in addition to peer-reviewed articles. Uh, but they don't need to know what a philosopher says about Foucault. They need to read Foucault. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I would say. How do you find time for your bio there, ultra running, mar- ultra marathoning. Are you oh, still doing that? Yes, I am. How? I have to run 18 miles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a really great question. Yeah, so uh, outside of my life as an academic and a parent and a pastor's wife, uh, I'm super into the outdoors. So I love to climb. Alpine climbing is my thing. I spend the month doing it every summer, but you know, it doesn't happen in Philly. So mm. I, I trail run pretty long distances to train to make sure that when I'm climbing in the summer I'm fit so the moment I'm training for a 50 mile race uh you do that like 2 a.m no I am a strict eight hours a night sleep person Mm -hmm. strict Mm -hmm. I do not sleep less than eight hours I just sleep is the most important thing so I am highly structured so I make my hardest writing day of the week I book like when I have it stuck on data I book that before my longest run. My longest run is usually about three and a half, four hours. So I kind of work out in my mind what I'm going to write while I'm running. And I find that the structure helps me work a lot more efficiently. I know, it's crazy. That's good. But it's fun. Good to have hobbies. Yeah, yeah. It's good to, yeah. There's other things in life besides work. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amy, for being at Cairn today and for talking with us here. And thank you, alumni, for listening. I encourage you to visit cairn.edu slash media slash podcasts for links to past podcasts as well as other media content, including the Chapel podcast, where you could find a more full version of hearing Amy talk about her Ph.D. and her work and her research. And be sure to comment on those and let us know what you think of the podcast, our guests, and our content. Thanks for listening.